Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WFAN. WFAN-FM. New York. What a perfect introduction. You know that Dave is on point. Here's why. He was talking about hunger thought. Guess what we're going to be talking about on the show today? Hey, all right. (laughs) A guest in studio from Why Hunger. She has joined us previously. Her name is Allison Cohen. Allison is Senior Director of Programs at Why Hunger. We're talking about hunger thought. Here we are. It is the 20th of the month of November in 2017, this time of the year. Yes, the discussion, the focus shifts to Hungerthon. If you've never heard of Hungerthon before, imagine that. Somebody might never have heard of Hungerthon before. We're, we're going to inform you as to exactly what Hungerthon is all about and also exactly what Why Hunger is all about, too. And good morning, everyone. I'm Bob Salter. We're with you on our show until 7.30 this morning when the NFL preview program happens. Allison, first of all, it's nice to have you join us again. Good morning. Thank you so much. Good morning to you. All right. Um, We need to get your microphone on there, uh, too. Um, Now, when we talk about why hunger, how do you explain what the work of why hunger is? So Why Hunger is an organization that is, we call ourselves a grassroots support organization. And we work with community-based organizations around the country um, that are uh, innovating and finding creative ways to address hunger in their own communities. And so we support them in doing that. We amplify their voices and we help to knit them together into what we are hoping to build as a broad-based social movement to really tackle hunger at its root causes. When we talk about hunger and, I guess, the companion issue of poverty in 2017, we're not talking about something that has gone away. No, unfortunately, we're not. There are currently 41 million Americans in this country that are struggling with hunger. That includes 13 million children. And it has... um, you know, for one out of eight Americans, hunger is a reality. It's still a reality. We have not seen the needle shift um, significantly in several decades. It always hovers around 12% of our population. Um, and uh, it is not something that's going away. And in fact, um, what was once seen as an emergency in the 1970s is now really a chronic issue. Why aren't more people talking about this? Why aren't more people outraged about it? 
I think it's a, a number of reasons. One is that you know what used to be um, what used to be the the an issue that was that was addressed through um, government programs. Mm-hmm. A lot of that has shifted to private charity, and so um, it is. It's become um, far more beholden on private charities to deal with the issue of hunger. So, for instance. Um, uh, gosh, in the early 80s, there are sorry, in the early 70s, there were about 800 food banks. Um, and today we have more than 60,000. And so the response to hunger has really become one that is rooted in charity and not in social justice. Hang, on, it, hang on for a second. I, 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 <laughs> I, I, I'm almost mentally, I just fell off my seat. I, I've got to back up for a second here. All right. Because people who are listening, I hope you heard that correctly. There were 800 food banks in the country. Yes. 800. There are more than 60,000 now? Yes. And food banks is a broad term. It means, um, you know, all kinds of um, private charitable organizations that are um, – that are providing food in a, in a variety of different ways. So soup kitchens, you know, the the food pantries that you might find in a church basement, as well as those that are highly professionalized, mm-hmm. um, large regional or statewide food banks. But yes, so we're we're somewhere between sixty and seventy thousand. We're not exactly sure. One of the things why hunger is working on is is um, is tracking that and and trying to to help shift the trend. Um, a lot of times, I think this is getting back to your question of you know why why aren't we why aren't we dealing with this why aren't we why aren't there more people outraged we um, the 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 our our system of delivering food to those who are in need has been predominantly um, rooted in the idea that if we can just go to our own kitchens go to our own food pantries, our own kitchen pantries and, and take cans of food and rice, bags mm-hmm. of rice and things and provide it to um, to your, your neighborhood uh, food bank, that, that, that that's a way to address hunger. And while we think it is absolutely critical to, um, to, to make sure that folks that are in need now get that food, it is in no way going to end hunger. We are not going to end hunger through charity. The natural follow-up to that statement is: Can we end hunger in this country? Yes, it is a it is a solvable problem. We it's not a problem of of how much food we produce. We produce one and a half times the amount of food that is needed to to feed what we anticipate to be the population in in 2050. So it's not an issue of food production. Um, of how much food we can produce. It's not an issue of, of distribution, particularly among food banks in this country. They've become a model of efficiency when it comes to moving food from um, you know, warehouses or from, from donate, donated food to places where it's needed. Um, it is, but we can end hunger. It is an issue that, is, um, that requires political will. And it also requires addressing poverty. And that, I think, is really the crux of the problem is that we cannot even even um, uh, the, the recession. There was a, a, a little bit of a spike in the number of people that were um, that were hungry in this country post recession. It's still five million more people than it was pre-recession. So our levels really didn't didn't drop, even as more working people were headed back to work. And 
by and large, that is because we still don't really pay a living wage in this country. Minimum wage is, you know, is just not enough for uh, to to feed a family. When we talk about people who are working and who still fall in this category of going through really on a daily basis making decisions about hunger that realistically they shouldn't have to make and shouldn't be making. I mean, do we have any handle on what, I guess, the numbers of, for lack of a better term, working poor are in this country? Um, we do have, I mean, it, it, it varies. And um, what we do know is that um, the majority of adults that go to a food bank mm-hmm. Um, in order to provide food for their family, the majority of them have at least one full-time um, member of their family that one member of their family that's working full-time. So you know, forty hours a week or, or more, sometimes two jobs mm-hmm. that are paying um, minimum or sub-minimum wages. Um, so it's a it's a problem of um, it's and it's not really necessarily a problem of job creation either. It's really a matter of. Um, it's a matter of how much people are getting paid to do the work that they do. And you can't, you can't work 24 hours a day. (laughs) And, um, and, and that's, you know, likely what it's going to take for some of these working families to, um, to get to a level where they're able to not have to make the difficult choices of, you know, are we going to, um, turn our heat on this week or mm-hmm. are we going to feed our families? And of course there are choices that you can't make. For instance, if you are trying to get to job, you can't get to get to your job. You can't sacrifice um, transportation, right? The cost mm-hmm. of transportation or the cost of childcare. Mm-hmm. And so what by and large happens is that people um, become food insecure where they can eat some days and some days maybe they can't eat or they they cut down on the meals or they cut down on the quality of the food uh, because uh, uh, food can be cheap in this country, but it's generally not the um, it's generally not the food that's nourishing bodies and minds. Mm. And then the other aspect of this discussion that always is troubling is when we talk about the number of children yes. who are hungry. Yeah. And go through this again on a daily yeah. basis. So 13 million children, um, more than 13 million children. That's about a, that's an estimate that mm. that are are hungry. That is one in six children. Um, and in New York City alone, that's one in four children. Um, so that I mean, this is a this is a a, a a real problem, a real issue. I mean, we these are the most vulnerable people in our population and children. And um, we are not um, we are not living up to the ideals. I think of this country if we're not um, if we're not ensuring that that those among us who are the most vulnerable children, the elderly, the sick, if they are not um, if they are not well cared for. We've set the stage perfectly for the discussion that we're going to have with Allison Cohen on our program. She is in studio with us. Our guest from Why Hunger. She is Senior Director of Programs, and um, we're talking about the work of Why Hunger, talk about uh, Hungerthon 2017 uh, taking place um, this week and exactly what it is that you can do to be a part of that. We have a lot to share with you on our program this Sunday morning. Bob Salter, Sports Radio. 
Radio 1019 FM. Sports Radio 66 WFAN. Oh, it is always interesting on Sunday mornings when all those WFAN jingle singers stop by. Whoops. Easy, easy. Whoops. Somebody almost hit Dave as he was exiting the studio. Good morning. I'm Bob Salter. We are in a discussion with Allison Cohen. Allison is a senior director of programs for Why Hunger. She's talking with us about the work of Why Hunger. And we're going to get into talking about Hungerthon 2017, which is uh, taking place this week. You've been hearing some things about uh, Hungerthon here on The Fan, and we'll give you the skinny as to exactly what is coming up. We've been trying to give you a little bit of perspective on hunger and poverty in this country. Now, we've mentioned Hungerthon, teased this a couple of times. There are people, Allison, <laughs> who have never heard the term Hungerthon before. Now, I know that's shocking to it's, you. It can't be true, especially if they're, you know, FAN listeners. You know, I I have to restart my heart when I say this, literally, right? because I, I, I can't imagine that that is the case. But there are people, I'm told, who fall in that category. How do you explain what Hungerthon is? So Hungerthon, it's really become an institution, I would say, on the, the, the airways this time of year here in the greater New York City area. Um, it's an annual Thanksgiving radio tradition. It was started in 1975 by our organization, Why Hunger? And we use this opportunity that is so generously um, provided to us by our, um, our fans, such as Bob Salter and, and others on, the, on the, the CBS FM radio. And um, we do this as a way to raise awareness about hunger and poverty and to really engage listeners in investing in long-term solutions that will help us to end hunger in this country. When we're able to promote the kind of information that we are today, um, to raise awareness about hunger and this companion issue of, of poverty, what's the real effect of that? The real effect of the contributions mm-hmm. that, yeah. That and also even having the discussion. Oh, having the yeah. conversation, yes. So um, the the advocacy and the awareness raising, I think, is really critical um, at this time of year, but 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 all year long, really, because of the the fact that hunger in this country is, is somewhat an invisible issue. So you don't necessarily know the folks that... Um, you don't really know who might be food insecure in this country, and um, it doesn't look—it doesn't look like what we, our preconceived notions of of hunger look like. Um, it could be your um, it could be your next door neighbor, mm. could be the person sitting at the the cubicle next to you. Um, it is—we're talking about forty-one million people in this country. That's a lot of people, twelve percent. So think about the fact that. Um, you know, uh, one in one in six children, right? Mm. So every six child that you know is probably dealing with, um, or that you encounter is probably dealing with hunger. So it's a, it's it's widespread, and we need to um, not only amplify the um, amplify the, the the issues that are amplify the number of people that are hungry in this country, but we also need to um, really discuss why. And so mm-hmm. having these opportunities on the radio to talk about the root causes of hunger is is really critical. Um, we 
we we're interested, of course, Hungerthon is is a little bit about raising money for uh, why hunger and for the work that we do and our grassroots partners around the country. And the really important and critical opportunity is to to get a chance to really talk about it and talk about it in its complexity. Um, it's something we can solve. Hunger is something we can solve. Um, it, but there's not an easy solution. Mm-hmm. What will happen this week with Hungerthon? So this week we will, and actually um, Hungerthon is now running through mid-December. Mm-hmm. Um, this is our, our, our really big week, um, but it runs through December 13th. And um, we will we come we we've sort of been growing our Hungerthon community. So, radio personalities, um, the listeners, celebrities, fans, everyone's coming together to um, to 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 say we can end hunger in America, and um, that we believe in the the right to nutritious food for all. So um, we are doing uh, all kinds. You'll hear us all over the airways, I hope so, anyway. And um, we'll be talking about issues of hunger and poverty in this country. And we'll also be asking folks to, um, to help us um, to join the Hungerthon community and, and help us take action. Go to Hungerthon.com and, um, and, and be a part of this Hungerthon community. There's real power in community. And that's what we invest in around the the country. And so we're asking folks to really um, join that community now. Um, You can donate at hungerthon.org. I'm sorry, .com, .org, .com. Hungerthon.org. And sorry about that, hungerthon.org. And um, you can, so you can simply donate. No donation is is too small. Mm-hmm. Um, we also, you can, uh, we have gifts that um, for for a certain donation, you can um, get a, a a gift that includes everything from a John Lennon Imagine scarf, um, a Bruce Springsteen Land of Hope and Dreams T-shirt, and a baseball cap. We have a Harry Chapin, who's the founder of a uh, co-founder of Why Hunger. Um, has a, a, fa- a famous saying that is um, uh, um, his "do something" saying. So, when in doubt, do something. And it's a T-shirt that that has that emblazoned across it. Um, a bunch of other kinds of gifts. There's also an opportunity to um, to bid on a variety of really interesting items. And I know that there are some experiences um, that you can bid on, and, and one that your listeners might be interested in is an opportunity to visit CBS Studios to watch a live broadcast of the Joe and Evan show. Really? Yeah. And um, so you can uh, go to hungerthon.org and you can um, place a bid. All right. So the important thing is that hungerthon.org is a tremendous resource. It's a site where you can go. You can follow up on some of the things that we're talking about today. You can go to that site, actively be part of the solution, um, get involved in making a bid, get involved in being involved as it is. There's a term that has been used a couple of times thus far in our discussion that I hear it and I wonder if folks like me bristle when they hear the term food insecurity. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I've never gotten comfortable with that. What exactly does food insecurity mean? So food insecurity is a term that um, 
the U.S. Department of Agriculture um, uses to to track and um, measure and define um, hunger in this country. So there's a whole sort of scale, mm-hmm. the food security scale, um, and there's a um, a survey uh, um, that that is done that that asks different questions about things like did you did you have to forego a meal um, in the last week or things like that. So they they rate it between very low food insecurity to very high food insecurity. But essentially it, um, and we tend to use the term um, hunger um, as a way to just capture the the, the um, idea, the, the really outrageous idea that people in this country are going without food mm. um, uh, for any, for any period of time. Mm. When we talk about the grassroots programs that you mentioned earlier in our discussion. Mm-hmm. How do you find those programs? Well, we've been doing this work for 42 years now. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's, um, uh, it's something that we've been cultivating, you know, over a long period of time. Um, we spend um, a good bit of our time um, building relationships with folks um, in the field that are, um, that are that are struggling with hunger, fighting hunger, and finding creative ways to to deal with it um, in their own communities. And um, these there are these these are these are the the real heroes, and these are the ones that that um, that we are working to support and to lift up their stories, not just their stories, but also their solutions. And um, so they're they're in everybody's community. These these grassroots heroes and and leaders they're, they're not difficult to find. They are unsung, perhaps, but they're they're mm-hmm. there. And what does it mean for those programs to have a national organization, national slash mm-hmm. international organization, in their corner, basically? Yeah. So we can. Um, do in fact, we just asked this question of our partners um, recently. We're we're thinking about our future, and you know, want to make sure that we're always being led by those who are working on the front lines. And so we just we just asked this question of all of our partners, and um, and what we heard is that um, the 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 ability to sort of leverage resources and um, provide uh, and build capacity of these organizations and provide training, and also importantly to be able to knit these somewhat um, disparate efforts together um, around the country into alliances and networks and broader movements um, that that allows these organizations to do um, to, to advocate on a national level um, to to learn from folks around the country so that we're constantly um, chipping away at the um, the, the structures, the institutions, and the policies that are perpetuating hungry, hunger. So we're doing this together. And that idea of being able to perhaps borrow something that worked for another entity, another organization, mm-hmm. you know, then you turn to your organization and you're able to use that and advance that. It's, it's again, it's part of a network. It's part of an overall family, a sense of community. Yes, and... As I said earlier, there's power in community, and mm-hmm. so in 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 um, in broad terms, part of what Why Hunger is doing is is building power across the country to um, to end hunger. I can give an example of um, 
of this this sort of shared learning um, among partners, the uh, two partners of ours, one in um, Brownsville, uh, Brooklyn, mm-hmm. uh, called Neighbors Together. And we paired them with another organization called um, Mother Hubbard's Cupboard in Indiana. And um, they spent a year together. We resourced opportunities for them to learn from each other, to visit each other. And so they spent a year really trying to um, both to, to, to add, to expand their program and to add components that they hadn't been been able to do. So in Indiana, for instance, they were really interested in how Neighbors Together was organized, how they were organizing the their clients. So folks that were coming into the soup kitchen um, were coming together as well to identify what issues were continuing, were, were, were uh, keeping them um, coming to the, the, the soup kitchen. What were the issues that they wanted to face in their own community and what could they do about it? And so here's a, a soup kitchen in Brooklyn um, bringing together uh, their patrons who said, you know what? It's really the issues around three-quarter housing in this community. We want to do something about that. And so a soup kitchen is supporting these community members to advocate to develop their leadership and to do something about their housing situation in their community. And that you don't typically, when you think of a food pantry, that's not what you think of, mm-hmm. right? So in Indiana, they were really interested in learning um, how to do that, how to, what, you know, what, what that could bring to them. And in, um, and in Indiana, they had uh, developed an uh, amazingly beautiful um, urban farm that was mm-hmm. um, connected right next to their food pantry, and um, were were in in incorporating the food grown there into their food pantry, but also providing training and lessons and even um, land so that folks that were were finding themselves in need of that food pantry could come and and grow their own food and eat and choose um, you know really healthy fresh products. You know, as I, I listen to you, and I'm thinking people who are listening to this discussion today may hear what you just said and think, well, wait a minute. Isn't the focus here on, you know, food, um, you know, especially with operation like a soup kitchen, um, but there are companion issues. There are issues that have to be addressed again as part of the overall solution. Here. Yes, I mean we're not we're we're complex people, right? right. People are complex. Right. Our lives are complex. So we're not just, you know, we're not just uh, a worker. We're a worker. We're a mother. We're a, you know, we're a um, a wife. We're whatever. We we mm-hmm. we're we really exist at the intersection of many different identities and many different um, issues. And the same can be said for the way that we address um, any issue in this country, any, any social issue. So when you're talking about hunger, you are talking about nutrition. You are talking about race. You are talking about poverty and economic injustice. All of these issues are, and I think that's why it's such a complex issue and why we need to move the needle from charity to justice um, as a way to really confront and end hunger in this country. Um, it is, it's not, um, it, it's solvable. It's very solvable. And we can't do it simply by, um, by continuing, continuing to proliferate the, the number of food pantries and food banks that we have in the, in this country. Allison Cohen, who is the senior director of programs for Why Hunger, our guest on our program on the fan 
She is with us for our entire show. We roll until 7.30 this Sunday morning. Bob Salter, Sports Radio 1019 FM, The Fan, and Sports Radio 66, WFAN. Oh, there they go again. Whoops, somebody just swung a tuba. Well, good morning, everybody. This is Bob, Bob Salter, a tuba. On our program on uh, Sunday morning, we try to have a good time and also provide you with some good information. We have Allison Cohen, who is Senior Director of Programs for Why Hunger. She's in studio with us on our program on the fan this Sunday morning. We roll until 7.30 when the NFL preview program happens. And we're talking with her about the work of Why Hunger. Hungerthon 2017 underway officially uh, up through December 13th. You can go to hungerthon.org. Find out information along the lines of some of the things that we're talking about. We've shared a lot of information with you thus far in our discussion. I want to back up for a second. A couple of moments ago, you used a phrase of moving the needle from charity, from charity to justice. Yes. And as you said that, I jotted it down and thought, <clears throat> you know what? I better have her expand on this. What do you okay. mean by that? Yeah. So... Um, the mainstream narrative in this country is that if we that 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 it, that if we provide that, that charity will end hunger that is the mainstream narrative right so you see it particularly this time of year you'll see it all over um you know the uh, you know tv oh, yeah. advertisements everything and um you know and and volunteer at your local food bank um uh do a food drive every school is doing a food drive this time of year and um, and and that's not a bad thing. Charity is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. And I think it's critical for us to begin to acknowledge that charity is not going to solve the 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 insidious and really entrenched chronic social problems that we have in this country like hunger. And that it really, once we shift our, perspective and our framing of the this issue from one that is um, is rooted in charity to one that is really about justice justice the 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 um, the the right of all people to have access to good nutritious food how do we get there when we frame it that way as opposed to um, the the ability of of um, of those of us who have, to share with those who do not have. That's a charity perspective. You know, you say that phrase of the right of all people to have good and delicious food, to have access to it even. And as you say that, I think of discussions we've had before on uh, this program, this time of the year, especially about communities where, at least in the past, at points, there, there are no outlets or there were no outlets for fresh food, mm-hmm. all right, um, you know, the sort of thing that has some actual nutrition to it, you know, not something that you get in a, 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 a bag or a container um, that comes prepackaged, but something that's actually fresh and was grown in the soil. The change that we are seeing take place in New York City, especially in a lot of the urban communities, neighborhoods, 
How is that change impacting? And I guess even perhaps maybe beginning to address some of the issues surrounding hunger, um, some of the need, the want, the demand for things like fresh food? Um, so there's, you know, I, again, I, I think I want to come back to the, the, the idea that um, uh, access to fresh, nutritious food is not necessarily an individual about an individual's choice right right Right. and um and i think that that's also the other thing that we we often um that that we need to expose more and more is that it is not because people don't want to eat really good healthy whole foods it has more to do with their ability to afford those foods their ability to access them in their neighborhoods mm-hmm. and um and um and and ultimately i think you know again it gets back to to poverty if you don't have um a sufficient if you don't have wages that are sufficient to allow you to purchase um good quality food then you're you know then you're out of luck so it's not an individual choice it can be an individual choice but when you don't have when you when you have been impoverished and we we like to use that phrase we don't say people are poor we say they have been impoverished um and when that is uh the 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 conditions that you're living in then your access to um to fresh healthy food is limited that being said, there is and has been, and I know we've talked about this on in past shows as well, there has been um, uh, a bit of a movement around um, urban farms and mm-hmm. urban gardens and local markets. <clears throat> and New York City um, is one of the cities that has, um, has really been on the forefront of this. And so you will find... Um, uh, uh, urban gardens and urban farms that are producing food um, throughout the the city. Um, that's certainly not enough to. Um, uh, it's it's in and of itself. It's not enough to um, to make up for this this deficit of, of of access or lack of access to to fresh food in in neighborhoods. But it is an important contributor, and. Um, it is, and this is, I think, where um, the the why hunger comes in is that we are um, able to think about get helping folks get access to fresh food through a variety of different ways. So there's the urban gardens. The urban gardens then often work together with the local farmers market, so that um, there's an opportunity to um, purchase food and or supplement. And so, um, and then that also is. Um, creates an opportunity for youth in particular to um, engage in um, a whole variety of leadership development, skills development. So again, it's sort of tackling this issue from a variety of different um, a variety of different fronts. There's, um, there's so many issues mm. <laughs> that are related to why uh, folks may not have um, access to fresh, affordable food. And so um, it could be access to land in their communities and the ability to grow food. Um, and it is often um, an issue of um, um, transportation, mm-hmm. um, transportation to get to a grocery store, right. the presence of grocery stores in their neighborhoods and what kind of food that they're offering and selling. Um, and again, again, the cost. You look at the, you know, the com- community garden movement that there is in, in the city, even 
you know, the places with rooftop gardens. I mean, it's it's people are very creative in terms of what they will do to make that connection with the soil, yeah, and with the land. Mm-hmm. It it is it is a, an important piece of of this of this work is pe- people reconnecting and having the opportunity to reconnect with the soil and the ability to um, to grow food. There's a tremendous amount of agency that comes with, and I've seen this with youth in particular, um, East New York farms, um, uh, added value. These are, these are large urban farms in our neighborhoods here in New York that are predominantly working with youth to provide opportunities to, to reconnect with the soil and to learn about how to grow food. And you see the, 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 the agency that, that, that is awakened in in youth when they're um, when they're given the opportunity and and to to produce something from a seed um, into you know into a head of lettuce or from a seed into you know a bunch of carrots and then to take it to the market and and sell it. I mean, there's just such agency that it can be awakened in someone um, because of that experience, and that's uh, we believe a critical um, it's a critical component or first step or link to um, um, an awareness of what what the land can do for us if it's well cared for, of what eating fresh food that comes directly out of the soil, what that can taste like and what that can do for your body and your mind as a young person. Um, and, and so it is, um, I think probably some of your listeners are, are, and I often get this question too, it's like, well, what does that have to do with hunger? I mean, aren't you a, aren't you a hunger organization? What does that have to do with hunger? And um, it has a lot to do with it because it, it it's it's not only providing fresh food, and certainly, as I said, it doesn't. Urban farms don't provide enough mm-hmm. um, food to, to to feed an entire community, but it begins to um, it 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 begins to define different pathways um, towards. Um, towards living a life that is a life of dignity, a life of agency, and, um, and really awakening that, um, that desire to change communities. Now, let's go back to the beginning of what you said. Some of the people listening may have been surprised to hear you're talking about these farms in East New York, Brooklyn? Yes, yes, East New York Farms. It's um it's gosh, it's probably going I can't remember, maybe 15 years mm-hmm. now. And um and they've developed a farmers market as well. So first came the the urban farm, then came the farmers market, and um there are um I I know youth that have started there as a you know, a middle school student and mm-hmm. now they're um you know, they're they're in college. Um a couple of folks have come back, and now they're actually running the youth program. So it's you know it it really is um, you know you think of these places as as you know urban oasis oases, and and in fact every single community in New York um, at, over the last thirty years there has been um, uh, a real strong urban gardening, urban farming. Um, a movement that's really developed and that's taken off, and you can find them in every community. Something I'm always curious about when we talk about the kinds of issues that we're discussing uh, today and connecting those 
with the millennials and youngers, generation-wise. Um, are they getting the message? I think so more and more. Um, do you mean, though, getting the message in terms of um, in terms of hunger being an issue and a and a and a problem in exactly. this country? Yeah, exactly. yeah. And actually, this is something that um, has that that I think you'll find interesting, and, and hopefully, you'll you'll be outraged by it as well. That um, we have seen in the last four or five years, really recently. Um, the number of food banks that have popped up on community colleges Mm -hmm. that are, that are catering to college students that are food insecure. And again, it, it, I mean, first of all, really, (laughs) really our college students are um, having trouble, you know, getting enough food. The meal plans are expensive. Um, there's the cost of college tuition is far outpaced, um, you know, inflation. And, um, and so this is becoming a, a, a regular thing. Um, it is, uh, on most campuses there, um, there's some recent research that's been done. That's really, um, demonstrating that it can be up to 20% of the population on campuses that are accessing, uh, the, the, the campus food bank and, and food pantry. And um, there it's gotten to the point now where there is a national network of, um, of college campus food banks. And again, it's the proliferation of, um, of, of spaces that are providing access to food. Those are critical because the need is there. And it's an indication, perhaps, I would argue, it's an indication that we are not addressing uh, the issue of hunger at its root causes. Mm. Part of the reason for my asking the question is uh, thinking about communication, uh, the way in which everything is so um, instantly distributed in our society, and this fascination that people have with social media. Can that be a plus in terms of raising awareness? Do you do you I use hope social? So media? yes, we use social media quite a bit. And if any of you out there listening are using social media, um, then uh, you know check us out on Facebook. We have a Twitter account. Why Hunger has a Twitter account, Instagram account. So we are using it every day. We have hashtags up the wazoo. Hashtag Hungerthon. <laughs> you know hashtag uh, justice not charity. There's all you know. Yes, and. Um, one of the things that we are involved with right now um, around the country is uh, we've put together a task force of folks, of organizations that are fighting hunger in their own communities to really talk about and come up with ways to really change the narrative. We've, we believe that if we can, we can begin to change the narrative, that that will bring more awareness and perhaps greater attention to the, the, the idea that, not the idea, the fact that ending hunger means ending poverty. And um, and so some of that's done through, you know, through memes, through um, a whole variety of of different kinds of social media and images and storytelling, really storytelling. And um, we uh, um, yes, so we are using social media quite a bit and it, and it can be a real tool. Hmm. 
More with Allison Cohen as we continue on our program. Allison is Senior Director of Programs for Why Hunger. Hungerthon is on. Hungerthon running through December 13th. You want to go to hungerthon.org, get more information on some of the things we're talking about today. And yes, you can actually bid. You can get involved. Actually be part of the solution. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.